This is Iron Sports, 95.9106.9 West Palm Beach. We're honored to have back on the show Seth Wickersham, who is the author of It's Better to Be Feared. We had him last year October, in October to talk about the hardcover. Now the paperback comes out. Seth, thanks so much for coming on Iron Sports to talk about the Patriots, Tom Brady, everything with that. Great to be here, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Last night, I was on a JetBlue flight from Atlanta, went to the Penn State-Auburn game, Atlanta to uh, Pittsburgh, Atlanta to New York. It was delayed four hours, and on the flight, we're on the tarmac for four hours, I saw oh someone gosh. reading your book. And after, and at the end of the flight, you know, when we finally got to New York at 2 in the morning, I said, how is the book? He goes, I'm going to be stranded on a deserted island. You've got to have this book. He told me to tell you that on there. It was phenomenal. He said it made a four-hour sitting on a flight phenomenal. That is the coolest thing. I mean, I might need his name and number and try to figure out a way to, you know, put this on a billboard or something. That is that is really, really cool, um, it, albeit it, the circumstances obviously were horrible, and I'm really sorry about that. That's that's brutal. I've well, been he there. Good, he, he definitely had a good trip. But uh, yesterday we saw Tom Brady uh, throw his Microsoft service, but they won it against the Saints. But you see the skills, the fire, the passion. That's what you write about in, in your book. Uh, it's, it's better to be feared because you can see it even yesterday, how at 45 years old, he's playing as hard as ever. Well, it's that. You know, it's this rage. It's kind of interesting because um, he's someone who, who, for someone who has that level of fire inside him, he conceals it pretty well. Because it's way more consuming and dominant over his life than in a lot of ways we think. And when he was a kid, he would, you know, golf with his dad. And when he would miss shots, he'd throw his clubs and all these things. His dad would put him in timeout, kick him off the course, like trying to, like, you know, teach him that this isn't how we behave. And yet, here's Tom Brady, the most accomplished quarterback ever, at age 45 in week two. And, you know, those those urges are still inside him. It's so interesting because obviously like he's grown up, he's matured, he's a different person now. And yet some of those things, as we know, you know, those things don't leave us from our childhood. We are who we are and, you know, we regulate them maybe, but like the urge is still there. And obviously, um, you know, he took it out on the tablet yet again, something that he and Bill Belichick have have a little bit in common over the years. Well, your paperback book talks about the post, like post since Brady left. The book is phenomenal. The original, the hardcover last year, because you just build up everything about the whole point about where the breakup happened between Tampa, I mean, between New England and Brady. Mm -hmm. But the one rumor that came out, it was about, I would say, a month ago, this whole Dana White, Gronkowski, about (laughs) the Raiders. This is breaking news. I'm like, wait, I thought I read that in your book. It's in your book that you wrote last year where you talked about the whole, and you sort of dismissed it. It's, it, it you dismissed it saying that Gruden didn't want him, so it's really not going to happen. Well, and that's what happened. But in the same sense, I think that, like, look, when Brady was a free agent, I think that there's going to be a lot of stories that come up. Oh, it was a done deal. He was going to go here. That's, that stuff just wasn't going to happen. The only place he really wanted to go – was San Francisco, and they had just come off a Super Bowl loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Coaching staff was starting to have some doubts about Jimmy Garoppolo. At the same sense, though, he was clearly the leader of that team. By the way, we could, I could say that sentence, and it could still be true for right now. But uh, um, he wanted to be in San Francisco. There was no doubt about that. And Kyle Shanahan was on vacation in Cabo, and he instructed his entire coaching staff to look at all of Tom Brady's snaps from 2019. 
At the end of the day, they thought that he was better than Garoppolo, but they weren't sure it was quite worth it, given his age, to and given the Garoppolo's stature in the locker room, to make that kind of move. And obviously, we've seen what happened. Brady goes to Tampa, wins the Super Bowl right away. The 49ers slogged through another year, that COVID year in 2020, with Garoppolo injured, and then, you know, make a massive trade to go get Trey Lance. And, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the 49ers starting quarterback and will be the rest of the year. But yeah, I, do I, mean, think that, I do think that, like, look, there's going to be a lot of those things. Oh, Brady was thinking, you know, he was a done deal to Vegas. It was a done deal to the L.A. Chargers. You know, whatever, you know, things come up. I think that the only thing he wanted really was San Francisco. And when they said no, he was open to whatever. And it turned out, the, the, you know, the Raiders were also someone who decided they looked at him and they decided we're going to stick with our guy. Really, his options were down to the Chargers and the Bucks, And I think that, you know, the Bucks atmosphere at the time and proximity to New York City where his son Jack lives um, were, were two of the big, big guiding posts, posts for him. Seth, what about people are forgetting about March, about what happened during the period of time of uh, it, it, when, in terms of when Brady made his decision. We were in the middle of COVID. Nobody was traveling. I know that Dana White and Gronkowski were talking. They were looking for houses in Vegas. Nobody was looking for anything. Nobody was traveling. So clearly that was not happening. But do you really think that there was a chance if, if, if Brady and Belichick, could, uh, Kraft could have brought Brady and Belichick in a room, sat, had meetings, uh, would that have made a difference in Brady staying with New England? No, I don't. And I think that, like, that ship had sailed by that point. And I think that, um, look, there have been problems building between Bill and Tom since right after the, the, the great comeback against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Brady wanted a contract extension that would, a commitment that would take him into his 40s. Belichick wanted to be much more cautious and careful and kind of a wait and see approach. And, you know, then you had the role of Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Belichick was so invested in you. You had Brady you know, expanding some of his interests beyond football, TB12, that year where he was really trying to establish that as a business publicly, and Belichick goes out and bans that, you know, Brady's trainer and business partner, Alex Guerrero, from the Patriots building. And then, of course, you just, that contract issue just continued to hover over everything. And in August of 2019, you know, at that point, Brady and Belichick had six Super Bowls together. Brady was trying to negotiate a new contract. He was so frustrated that he almost left training camp. Um, ends up signing a two-year deal, which was really a one-year deal with a little bit of a raise. And 48 hours after that deal was announced, he and Giselle Bunchen put their house up on the market. And that was the Patriots opening the door for Brady to walk out, and he went ahead and walked out. Yeah, 2019 year was weird. They people forget they started that year eight and zero, and I was at yeah. the Raven game when they went to Baltimore. I yeah. seen it. I was at that. It was a Sunday night game. They lose that, then they lost to the Texans. People remember when they lost to the Dolphins at the end of the year, and then the wild card game against Tennessee. But when they started that year out, I mean, they looked great at being eight and zero, and maybe they were going to go, you know, back to back Super Bowl winners. It appeared that way, but you know, I think that Brady missed Rob Gronkowski more than you know he realized that year, and he just was miserable. I mean, he, those were his words. He was just a miserable, um, you know, you know, quarterback during that time, even as they were winning. And you know, as we have come to learn, you know, he was in constant contact with Bruce Beal, minority owner of the Miami Dolphins, about you know who knows maybe joining the Dolphins after that season, and um, he was clearly just unhappy with the way that things had gone and probably 
the weight of knowing that this was going to be his last year in New England, I'm guessing, played a big part in things. And you just touched upon about Miami. Uh, what what happened there? I mean, there was an issue where that was it. I mean, I was surprised where they when they brought about it wasn't just this past season, but it was that first season that there was some contact between Miami. Of course, that year Miami drafts Tua. So, but it just seemed that that was it, like how how serious was the, was that interaction from Brady's part? Was it sort of Miami just reaching out, hoping something would happen, or, or was there could there was there some seriousness from Brady's part? Well, it was tampering, and every team tampers, but I think that you know they, they came down hard on the Dolphins because it was tampering, and it, there was um, you know the, the issue with Brian Flores and whether he was being you know joking but not joking, paid extra for for losses, and the scrutiny and the and the standards that he was being held to, which he thought were completely unfair in the face of you know winning games with that team. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I guess that only Tom Brady would really know how serious you know he was thinking about that. I do think that um, after you know last season when he knew that it was he was thinking about retiring, the idea of going to Miami and maybe being an executive, you know, was obviously interesting enough that it was out there. But he also, I don't think he really strongly, truly knew if that was what he wanted. And even though it's, you know, 2022 has been a weird year for Tom Brady between, you know, the, the comeback against the Rams in the playoffs, you know, letting it be known that he was noncommittal about returning to the Bucks, news breaking by my colleagues, Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington, that he was going to retire. He denies those, then he goes ahead and retires. And a week after he retires, he's saying he might unretire. And then a month later, he officially unretires. Then Bruce Arians goes to the, executive suite, which turns out he's actually back on the sideline now. It has just been, and then he leaves training camp for 11 days. There's obviously all these reports in a lot of non-sports publications about um, issues in his marriage with Giselle Bundchen and, you know, how big of a factor that might be weighing on him. It's been a weird year for Tom Brady, and we're only at week two. <laughs> well, we're talking to Seth Wintersham, author of It's Better to Be Feared, the New England Patriots Dynasty. It was voted the nonfiction book of the year by Sports Illustrated last year. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Um, the year before, the redemption year, he wins the, the uh, Super Bowl. The Patriots struggle with Cam Newton. They end up drafting yeah. Matt Jones. That was for so long. It seemed like for a decade it was, is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? And now that Belichick's been struggling and he's barely being the Steelers in a terrible game yesterday, and you look at Brady, I mean, clearly Brady has won that argument that it's more Brady than Belichick, even though it might not be true, but in perception it looks like that. Well, yeah. I mean, he went out and did one by himself. And, um, it, you know, if the he did it with the Bucks. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like for Robert Kraft to win Tom to watch Tom Brady win a Super Bowl with the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, you know, I, I think that look, there's no question that Bill Belichick's the greatest professional football coach in the modern era. I think that the NFL is just designed to bring teams back to earth, and the fact that the Patriots are kind of slogging along. Even though, you know, look, they're down year seven and nine in a COVID year. And, you know, last year they make the playoffs. Obviously, they get waxed by the Buffalo Bills in it, but they did make the playoffs. And, you know, the fact that the Patriots in a loaded AFC aren't exactly considered on the top echelon, I, I think that that's just like the law of averages um, coming into play here. But I do think that when you look at Bill Belichick's career, the fact that 
you know, he let Tom Brady walk. And Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft were two people, maybe the people on this earth, who should have known better than anybody than to never underestimate Tom Brady. And they did just that. And he goes and, you know, delivers a Super Bowl um, for Tampa Bay. You know, that was, it was it, it, that, that to me, you know, I think that like when you, when you talk about like, you know, Bill's post Brady career, I do think that that personnel decision that launched that post Brady career is one of those things that I, I, it won't haunt Bill, but it's part of his record. So that leads to October 3rd, 2020, when I, 2021, when I was, I went up to there, the, first of all, the weather that day was horrendous, rainy. I've never been to a game where just like, oh, Bucks, you mean Bucks, yeah, Bucks Patriots. Yeah, Bucks yeah. Patriots. And that was so surreal to be back there. I, I guess, you know, you just saw Russell Wilson return to Seattle and they booed him. I don't know what I thought. I, as much as everybody was cheering Tom Brady, I thought it would be even greater. Like, I thought there was still, like, I don't know how you could root the Patriots against Tom Brady. Like, it was, it was such a weird game for the fans. I think they were happy when it's over. Uh, describe what, you, you know, what you're reporting about that game. Well, I mean, I thought it was just terrific. And they did boo the Bucks. Remember, the Bucks like, ran out to midfield and kind of, you know, did a chant. And they did boo during that time. But, you know, I mean, I thought it was just a fascinating game because it's just so rare you get to see those types of football minds so astute, so resourceful, um, you know, so part of their DNA to fight till the last possible second. It's just so rare you get to see them, people like that, go against each other. Like, I don't know if it's ever really happened. I mean, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana never faced off. And so I thought, even though the weather was horrible and I was there too, it was, it was horrible. You know, I just thought that, like, that game was a really special game and it came down to the wire and, you know, everybody did their signature things. You had Belichick dialing up some confusing things in the red zone and forcing the Bucks to kick a field goal. And that's one of his, you know, his, his signature moves over the course of his career is just having brilliant red zone defense. And you have Brady just being so resourceful. I mean, converting third downs, using his feet when he needed to, um, just it took every inch of competitiveness and drive for those two to try to beat each other. And, it, you know, it came down to the wire and Patriots just barely missed a field goal, um, you know, and, and Tampa ended up winning. I, you know, but again, it was just, even though it was a sloppy game, I thought it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen because you, you just don't get those two minds going against each other rarely, if ever. Well, oh no! I chose. To, I was that week, that day. I could have gone to see Ben play Lambo against Rogers, and I wanted to see that. I'm a huge fan, <laughs> but I said, no, I can't miss this game. This is one of the yeah. iconic games in the history of football. You have to be there. Yeah. Then after the game, you write in your book a little bit that Belichick goes into the locker room and they have this private conversation with Brady and sort of what was that? And they spent a long time together, which is, you know, totally, you know, not, you know, it's very rare that, that he didn't walk into another locker room, let alone spend time with other players. They hadn't really talked since Tom left. They just, they hadn't really. And, you know, Brady ended up saying goodbye to Bill over the phone. And, you know, he later told someone he thought it was kind of indicative of where, you know, how their relationship had soured that, you know, Bill didn't, he wasn't able to say goodbye in person to Bill. turns out Bill wasn't in town, but that's how Brady felt. And, you know, I think that like the conversation for the longest time really kind of stayed between the two of them, but then details of it kind of, you know, I was able to hear about them some things. And I think that like, look, there's a lot of like there. 
um, I'm sorry, there's a lot of love there between those two guys, even if there isn't always a lot of like. And <laughs> I think that, like, there's, you know, that meeting was one of mutual respect. It, it's not going to change the course of their relationship. Obviously, there are some scars there, and they're kind of like a divorced couple who's kind of agreeing to keep things civil for the sake of everybody, but they're not going to get remarried. Um, but I do think that when each of them goes in the Hall of Fame and they use that word love to describe each other, I do think that it'll be sincere and truthful, even if, you know, they really got on each other's nerves at times. Last year's game versus the Rams. I was there. I, first of all, I couldn't believe that Tampa fans were leaving early. It's like, if you're watching like a James Bond, yeah. film, like, like, you go, haven't you seen this before? Like they come yeah. back, like he's not dead. It's, it's only been, it'll come back. And I just, I mean, it, the frustration, I was right behind the sideline, his frustration, because he realized, look, if we beat the Rams, and we play the 49ers at home, and you see the, then we play the Bengals at the Super Bowl, that was going to get back-to-back Super Bowls. That loss must have really pained him in terms of getting off to a slow start and just missing on the comeback. Well, I think that, like, look, Brady was used to a certain brand of football, and it was incredibly buttoned up, and maybe it was miserable at times in New England, but they were always ready to go, and they had always thought out situation and circumstance to the nth degree. And he knew that Tampa just wasn't as buttoned up as New England, and they won a Super Bowl even though they weren't as buttoned up. Biggest Super Bowl win of Brady's career, actually. And the next year, he just could tell you know, that, that the Bucks weren't as buttoned up and that you know, he was really wondering whether he wanted to continue playing football there. So they go against the Rams. The Rams come out and just drill them for, you know, whatever it was, three and a half quarters. And then the Rams essentially self-destruct, and Brady gets hot. They come back and they tie the game at 27 with less than a minute left. And, you know, this was kind of the moment that that I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that Tom Brady, after all season watching the Bucks not be as buttoned up as they should have been in certain situations, this was the culmination of that, where – all the Bucks have to do is keep the Rams in bounds, and the clock is going to run out. That's what they need to do. Instead, they let Cooper Cup get open for 20 yards. They and then on the on the two plays later, they run a zero blitz and don't even execute it very well. And it singles up Cooper Cup, who you know maybe the game's most dangerous receiver against a safety. Matthew Stafford hits him for whatever it was, 44 yards and they're able to get down the field and kick the game-winning field goal as, as time expired. I mean, like, I can't even imagine how angry Tom Brady must have been and with the fact that he probably felt like we could have seen this coming. And, um, you know, obviously a couple of days later, you know, word breaks that he's retiring. And was it – now, this is a big question. Was it – when he announced he was coming back and then it was announced, first of all, that Arians was going to retire, like he announced he's coming back and then Arians announced retire – was that a condition? I mean, did he really want, I want Todd Bowles, the coach. I mean, I know that Arians had from his Arizona days, he did like the fact that he could pick a successor, but he didn't get a chance in Arizona. But is, was that, was the, do you think that was a demand from Brady that Arians not be the coach going forward if he's going to come back? I don't know. I mean, was it a demand? Was it something that everybody in management knew that needed to happen for him to return? You know, maybe that would be a little bit of a more accurate phrase, but in the same sense, Arians is around all the time. And, you know, even though I think that Brady and Arians, you know, they like each other personally, I think they have a good personal relationship. Again, it comes down to, like, coaching style and the fact that the Bucks just weren't as buttoned up as Brady likes to be and as buttoned up as he's used to being for the entire team going into, you know, critical games. And, um, but, 
I mean, Arians is around. He was on the sideline yesterday when the Bucks played the Saints. I couldn't believe it. He's like, not only is he on the sideline, he's chirping at the refs. I, I couldn't believe what he was doing there. So, again, it just looks like it's just been a weird year, like I said earlier, for Tom Brady, for the Bucks, And, you know, it, it's just it's, it's very odd and it's a little bewildering. And now everyone thinks that this is his final year. But, again, I'm not ready to say that. I mean, what's your opinion in terms of you don't know what Tom Brady's going to do? I mean, he's confounding skeptics. And, and you know him better than almost anyone doing all the reporting that you've done. It, it's hard to say for certain, oh, this is clearly going to be a last year. I mean, he just doesn't look like he's enjoying it as much. You know, we'll see how it goes you know, this year. But I just I have a hard time believing that he'll continue to play after this year. It's just, again, I don't have any insight other than – you know, what I see, what I hear, who I talk to, but like, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that he's going to stick around for another year after this. He just doesn't look like it's as enjoyable as it used to be. Well, we've been talking to Seth Wickersham. His book, It's Better to Be Feared, the paperback comes out. It actually comes out on Wednesday this week um, on the 21st. I just encourage, I told the story when we started the interview about someone stuck on a plane with me for three and a half, four hours last night who read the book and said, if I'm going to be stranded anywhere, that's what the kind of book, that's the book I want to read if I go to an island. So, but uh, Seth, thanks so much for coming on Iron Sports again. I appreciate it and, uh, and I hope we can have you back maybe next year for your another supplement to this book. My pleasure, man. Thank you.